Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess. I was like, that's your spot. I made that spot available for you. No, next year, no, next year, not an option. This is, this is for you now. I opened that door for you, so let's walk in it. Hello, podcast family, and welcome back. Um, as you can hear from the introduction, you are in for a special treat. Um, Happy Mother's Day first to all the mothers, for all the grandmothers, aunts, uncles, for anyone who's out there filling in the gaps um, to love on children, to raise children. We salute you today and we honor you today um, because we know, of course, without a mother, there is no there is not life um, and mothers make the world go round. So today is your special day. Um, We love you. We are proud of you. And today I have my wife and the mother of my three children on the show. So this is a special treat and it's really giving, you know, an inside look into what it is to be a professional, a mother, um, but also someone who loves with her whole heart. And today I really like to pay tribute to Donna Sue Brown, who is the mother of my wife who I only got to know for a short period of time and who was taken from us on this earth way too early. But however, she left her impressions and her imprint on her daughter, um, on everyone else who was around her. So I still get to live, I still get to experience her life through my wife as well as even through our, our children. So like I said, this is a special episode and with that being said, if you have, you know, your loved ones, your mother, your grandmother still living, like I'm very fortunate to have, I hope that you will take some time to reach out and just tell them you love them today and honor them and truly just give them their praise, give them their flowers while they're still here. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Welcome to a special edition of Time Out with the Sports Doctor. I have a very special guest. We are actually in person and recording today. Um, and I have <laughs> the person that I should have had about six months ago. I'm about six months overdue. I'm going to take full responsibility for that. Um, but yeah, so I have my wife. I have the CEO of Burgess Incorporated. <laughs> I have the CEO of Sparkling Smiles Pediatric Dentistry. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for finally having me. It's it's been a long time coming. I think I'm like a thousand. Uh, no, I'm in the fifties now. I ain't 50s, quite made it okay. to a thousand. Yeah, you yet, know, I wasn't so. sure. I, I know I, I'm way down the line. So it's just a pleasure and an honor to be here. Hey, glad to have you. All right. So uh, one thing on this show is that I always talk about the backstory and the struggles, right? So I just want to make it very clear that I've not been on here playing like I'm perfect. So. Uh. Uh, after today, I don't think we'll have to refute anything that I told you before. So, oh man! Okay. All right, all right. So let's get started. So tell us first. Just tell us about where you grew up. All right. So I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I grew up. That's where I grew up. That's my hometown. Um, very proud to be from Maryland, and very proud to be from Baltimore. And uh, that's where I grew up. All right. So growing up in Baltimore. Uh, you grew, lived in the city or you lived in the suburbs? Where did you live? So most of my life, we actually lived in the city. I did move out into the suburbs uh, my junior year of high school, but mainly we lived in the city. So you went to school in the city? I went to school all the way up until my junior year of high school. I went to school in the city. And from there, we moved out to Rochestertown, Maryland, and I've completed high school there. All right. So public school or private school? Oh, I went to public school. All right. Because... <laughs> Many people in the cities go to private schools, right? But you went to, what would you well, say? Many, you have to be able to afford a Absolutely. private school. So more than likely, if you can afford private school, you're probably not living in the city, at least not where I lived anyway. Um, I'm quite sure there are some, but no. I mean, I guess you could live in the city and go to private school. But for the most part, most of the people that I knew went to public school. But tell us about your public school experience. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's really funny. Um, I could 
pit my public school experience back when I was in Baltimore up against almost any private school. I was really blessed. I went to some really great schools for them to be in the city, um, to be inner city schools. I was placed in gifted classes at a very young age. Uh, thanks to my mom, she saw potential in me and told the school that, hey, my daughter needs to, to go into a gifted program. Um, and luckily they listened to her and, and believed in me and put me in the gifted programs. And so it was almost if I had a, a, a magnet school, I think that's what they call it now, the magnet schools. It was almost like that gifted program that I was in was kind of like the prototype for that. And so we kind of, they basically kept us away from everyone else and kind of had the kids that were in that, those gifted programs separate because the schools in Baltimore can be pretty uh, rough. So, um, but my education was top notch. Um, you know, when I look around, I look around at, 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 at living here in Mississippi and I look at the amount of schooling, the, the opportunities I had and the things that I was exposed to um, in a public school setting, you know, I put up to any private school that I have seen. Right. But uh, talk about as well. You said how your mom took education very seriously. Oh, man. So you didn't just go to school <laughs> during the week. Tell us about your weekends in school. So you know, probably education was the biggest thing to my mom. And I can compare that to, she was uh, for education, like some moms are for sports. And so the people who have their kids, let's say they play basketball or, or, or baseball and they're on every travel team and they have every private coach. Imagine that for schooling. And so I, from the time that I started third grade until I got to high school, I actually went to school six days a week. Six um, days a week, I every went week. School, it was every other week. Yeah. So every other week I went to school six days a week, starting at third grade. So my experience was crazy because I went to, uh, there was a program at Coppin State College. I'll never forget it. And it was, um, man, I'm trying to think of the name of the program. Oh, I'm I, sure it's changed. Names yeah, my name, I just went blank. But basically, but it's what they're calling STEM now. It's basically what you're calling STEM. And so we would go, mind you, we were going to a college campus. OK, get got to mingle with college students. We were taught by probably some of the best professors. I don't even know where these people came from, but the whole premise of the school was to expose kids and, and, and teach them to think outside of the box. And so what I see some schools teaching now, that's this new way to make the kids think. We were doing that back when I was in third grade. What is that? The path, um, the mind, the path. mind maps and pathways. Yeah. I was doing that in third grade, all the way to ninth grade. It was exposing me to things that, you know, it was just crazy. You know, we first thing we would do when we would get in there, play on computers and it wasn't playing we were doing where in the world is common san diego and all different types of games that was on it really just to kind of make you think i would read national geographic for i don't know you know at, at some point and so that's kind of how i got into i was really big into like egyptian um history and and, and culture because i would read national geographic every saturday and and we would have it just taught you how to think about things differently. It taught you that whole mind map and how to really take a look at, at um, information and compare it. it. It was, it's really literally crazy that it was a free program. Um, years later, we took a look back and I think it was something like they were like studying us. Like, trying to, right. It's probably some back. kind of governmental grant. Right. Yeah. Pilot program. You know, when I put the name in the program and Google, like a, a, a study came up and I was like, man, this is, this is probably me. Like they were really studying how to um, teach kids how to think. And so it's always been a little different for me. I didn't spend my summers at home doing nothing. It was always some kind of camp. And it had to have an educational component. You know, I told my mom from seven years old, I said, I want to be a doctor. She said, okay, well, that's what you're going to be. We're going to make that happen. And which is crazy because you know, doctors where I come from. And so it's like, all right, do you believe that you're going to do it? Let me, I'm going to show you how to do it. So you mentioned there's no doctors where you come from. So 
I'm just going to make up when you tell a, a kid tells a parent, hey, I want to be a professional athlete. Parents get them coaches. Parents put them on travel ball teams. Mm-hmm. Parents exhaust their resources to try to make them a professional athlete. I'm going to speak for your mom and saying that she did that same thing to try to make you a doctor because she hadn't seen it in no. the immediate family. You hadn't seen it, but she tried to make give you the best opportunity possible. Yeah, you know, it's really crazy. Like if you think if I think about how much she really put into my dreams and even like even believing like, okay, my child can be a doctor when I'm the first person to graduate undergrad in my immediate family, like my blood relatives, I am the first person to graduate undergrad. So to sit here and say that you're going to be a doctor and for people to believe that, like it wasn't just my mom, my whole family was born into it. So for my whole immediate family, that is, um, was born into the fact like, oh, my niece is going to be a doctor when nobody around you were doctors, when nobody had at least an undergraduate degree. But for you to sit here at seven years old and say, I'm going to be a doctor and for everyone to say, all right, cool. We believe you can do that. I never had anybody in my family ever tell me that you can't do that. Not in my immediate family, for sure. Everyone was like, okay, cool. I'm going to make sure I take you to school. I'm going to pick you up. And they kind of sheltered me and protected me because it it it's kind of rough in some areas in Baltimore and and it, you know it can be a very dangerous city and, and people get swallowed up easily there and so they kind of sheltered me and all came around me like hey this is my niece y'all stay away from her y'all keep y'all negative influences away from her this is my daughter and 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 basically said you're better than everything that you see around you so don't look at what you see because you're better than that and i see greatness in you and because they saw greatness in me it allowed me to see greatness in myself so growing up in the inner city west side of baltimore like you mentioned the streets were rough people always want to talk about the wire right um but yeah. <laughs> growing up in baltimore i mean in certain areas that's real life and it, it is real life and, and i'm just gonna keep it real you know the wire was filmed not too far from where i grew up and so at least not too far from my grandmother's house. And that's where I spent all my time. And, you know, I, when I say my family shouted me, it was like, dude, you can't go around a corner. Like you, it, it was certain ways I could walk. Like I could walk to McDonald's and I could walk around one corner to the corner, but I couldn't walk around the other corner. Okay. And it was a lot of bad people around and, and you know, I'm not saying my family was perfect, but they were like, oh, dude, don't look at my, that's my niece. Like, don't even look at her because... It's something like they just saw something different. I guess I've always been different, you know, um, and they recognize that difference and they appreciate it. And that's like a blessing because a lot of times when you're different, your family will be the main ones hating on you. And so for me to have my family push me and to come around me like, no, she different. So y'all stay away from her or y'all going to have to deal with me. You know, just let me know how much they believed in in my dreams and and let me know that I could do anything. So I like that. All right. So you um, public school, Baltimore, then you went to HBCU as well, but it wasn't Xavier. So where'd you go to school? So I went to Morgan State. Yes, Morgan State, the Bears, we are in the building. So, you know, my story is crazy. Like if you, so you take a girl who went to public school, went to a small HBCU. Okay, we're not Xavier. We're not putting out a hundred, students going to medical or dental school that wasn't really um that that wasn't <laughs> really you know what Morgan was known for it's more of a business school and so you know it the fact that I made it it's you know it lets me know that God has a plan for me because you know Morgan was a great school great science program I got an excellent education um I loved it there. I met some great people, you know, people that I'm still friends with today. But when it came time for graduation in the biology department, you know, when we looked on the board and we saw how many people that went to actually professional school, when I say professional school, I mean medical and dental school, um, I was the only one. So you're the only one out of your whole department or the only one out of Morgan State that year? I don't know out of out of biology for sure. Gotcha. I don't know who went where out of chemistry, but the year I graduated, when I looked at the board, I was the only name that was there. So a lot of, you know, on many episodes, I talk about the strength of Xavier Pre-Med 
and the road that is already paved <laughs> so that you go, you know, freshman year, let's look into summer programs. Let's look into research programs. I need to take my MCAT this year. I need to apply this time. You know, let's help write this personal statement. Tell us about your pre-med advisor. Uh, so, you know, I'm laughing. I didn't even realize Xavier was like that until we took a group of kids and I kind of got jealous. I was like, oh my goodness. You were hating. I was hating a little yeah. bit, you know. I, I, I was, because I was like, man, you guys have everything handed to you. You know, I had a great biology department advisor, but when they, they you know, if I really want to be honest with you, at first I wanted to be a pediatrician and I had an orthodontist that I always looked up to. And when I was in college, I, I went to see him and he changed my course. He was like, what do you want to, what do you want to do? And I told him, hey, you know, I think I want to be a pediatrician. And he said, well, I think you should be a dentist because, and he laid it all out for me. And it made sense. No nice, no weekends. No nice, no weekends. You make just as much money. Hey, I was like, okay, this sounds good. So I came home to my mom and I was like, mom, I think I might become a dentist. And just so happened that a friend of my mom's was a dentist. And so he just so happened to come by my mom's store because my mom was a businesswoman. She worked, but she also had a, a business on the side, uh, um, a food store on the side, a, a carryout. And so he just so happened to stop by that night. And so I started asking him questions like, well, do y'all really make this much money? And you really don't take call? Like you're not up at night? And once he confirmed it, I looked at my mom and she, I was like, that's what I think I'm going to do. And the way my mom is, it's like, well, go for it then. If that's what you're going to do, let's get it. What do you have to do to do that? You know, how do you, what do you have to do? So um, back to Morgan, there was one, for like that pre-health advisor, we had one lady come in that was a medical doctor and she came in after hours, like once a week after work, you had like 30 students in a little room trying to talk to her. And I remember saying, Hey, you know, do you, do you know, can you help me figure out how to get into dental school? And her response was, I don't really know about getting into dental school. So I was like, okay, cool. If anybody who knows me knows that my personality, I guess it's, you know, being from Baltimore, being from, you know, my family, I'm a real take charge person. So if you tell me you don't know how to get me where I need to be, I'm, I'm not going to waste time. That's my first and last time seeing her. I took the initiative to figure out what I need to do to get to dental school. I didn't have anybody hold my hand. I didn't have anybody tell me how to write a personal statement. I went on the school's website. I saw what tests I had to take, what classes. I made sure everything I had aligned with what I needed to get in. And then I went after it. And that's just kind of how I was raised. I was raised to take it, not to sit there and have stuff, you know, it's not going to be mapped out. It's not going to be handed to you when you come from the city and not, not from the city that, not from the part of the city I was from. And so I always had that personality, like, and I guess I call it the hood mentality. Like, I'm going to go get it. I'm not going to sit here and wait for anybody to give it to me. I'm going to figure it out. And if you can't help me, I'm not going to waste my time because time is important. I knew I wanted to go straight from undergrad. I didn't want to sit out a year. I didn't want to do anything. I had a backup plan because I'm always down for the backup plan. But I just went after it. Whenever I make my mind up as this is what I want to do, I go after it with everything I had. And I put everything I had into getting into dental school. So you finally get into dental school. And, you know, when you come from, when you, when you get into professional school, you're <laughs> having students come from all walks of life, from all parts of the country, from all parts of the world, really. Some kids who grow up with boarding school education, some school kids who grow up with elite private school education, um, some people coming from Ivy Leagues, different things. And then you all meet up in professional school. How did you match up when you got there? Ooh, ooh. So, you know, I've always been in, in, in undergrad and stuff. I really didn't have to study. I don't be honest. I mean, I studied a little bit, you know, give my friends a study, but I didn't really know what studying was. In undergrad and high school, it really kind of came easy to me. You know, I've always been like an avid reader. And so one thing about me is I can devour knowledge 
like nobody's business. I have a comprehension level and a reading level that's crazy. And that's kind of always been my stronghold, taking tests, comprehending, being able to understand. Taking tests fast. Taking tests fast. Yes. And so (laughs) when I went, I went from being like the person that was killing it easily because I'm not what I call studying in college. I was playing. (laughs) Once I got to dental school, that was playing. And so when I got around all these kids, now, number one, I'm just going to keep it in perspective for you. 50% of my classmates' parents were doctors. Okay. My, of some form, medical or dental, a lot of my classmates that came from Africa or from the islands were top echelons. Only the elite come over. I don't care what school you're at. Okay. You know, you know, I may have a classmate that dad might've been in the world bank. My uh, classmates that were from out of the country had elite boarding school educations, not this multiple choice stuff that we do here in the States. They eat you up for lunch. They are trained to think when it comes to taking tests. And so this was a whole, whole different level, a whole different playing field when I got to dental school. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, of course, whenever I tell somebody I'm from Baltimore, the wire was out there and they're like, like the wire. I'm like, look, dude, that, that was their thing because, you know, the most, most of these kids come from pretty affluent backgrounds. It was not a lot of first generation college graduates. And so, um, you know, that can kind of play with your mind, but I've always been strong and confident in who I am, strong in, in, in what I can do. And I know that, hey, even if I'm not as smart as you, I will outwork you. I've been outworking people my whole life. I know how to go out here and get it. So I know that. If it takes me studying all night to the next morning, I will study all night to the next morning because that's what it takes to get it. Because I, unlike them, and I know they had their own pressures, but it was a different pressure for me because everybody was looking at me to see if it was possible. I felt like I was carrying my whole neighborhood on on my back because when I would go home and I'm at grandma's house on the weekend, everybody's like, you know, Marcia, she's in middle school. Like, she's going to be up like, like a hygienist, no, 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 she's going to be a dentist, like a doctor. So when I walk through the block, like, that's what everybody say. Every old person, if I come on the block, every old person coming out their door, like, hey, Maisha, high school. So that's a different kind of pressure, because I know that if I can show that it's possible, then the kids that's coming up behind me can be doctors and dentists, too. And so I refuse to fail. When I walk out first day, I will never forget it. The dean coming to address the students and they tell you, look to your left, look to your right. Somebody's not going to be here. You know what I said? Yeah, <laughs> you remember that's that? That's old school. Medicine, that's old right? school. They yeah. don't do that anymore. It's like, oh, we want retention. Now, nah, back in the day, it was look to your left, look to your right. Somebody's not going to be here. And you know what I said? Oh, I'm going to be here. So I don't know who's sitting next to me. Ain't going to be here, but it ain't going to be me. Right. Um, and, you know, we had similar situations with that i knew i wasn't going back home i wasn't going to fail either um so you you already had as you mentioned inner city small school only person in the grad school or only person no, in the dental, dental school, went to a professional the dental school. school right all right so coming from a small school well not necessarily a small school but coming from a school that didn't produce a lot of medical and dental students so you didn't have that mentorship the way that i did um and then being able to get to school and learn how to study. That's one huge, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> but talk about, you know, unique adversities that you had to overcome as a dental student. Um, well, you know, I, I don't know. Once I got into, you know, once I got into dental school, you find your core group of friends, you find your core group of people that you study with and Really what it boils down to for me is who wants it the most, I feel like. Because you can have, there were kids with some really elite undergraduate educations that 
did not make it in my class. And so it's mindset. My mindset played a, a big role in, um, in, in everything. My mindset, feeling like you belong. Uh, I was good with not having that, what we call imposter syndrome. I knew I belonged. And so I just knew I had to put the work in. You know, there was a many a days I'm not going to act like it was easy because it wasn't. It took a lot of hard work to to get through dental school. There were many days I called my mom crying like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to fail this test. And if I fail, then, then they're going to, you know, I'm going to have to go sit out a year and all this and all that and tears. And my mom would listen to me <laughs> and I, I can't hear the words is if she's right here sitting next to me, she would listen to me cry. Oh, happy boohooing. <laughs> and she would say, are you finished? And I would say, yes. And she'd be like, all right, now let's suck it up and go get it. I'm like, okay. And so that's kind of how, that was the kind of way I lived my life. I might have cried a little bit because times were difficult and it does bring out emotions in you. But then it's like, okay, you cried about it. Crying ain't going fix anything it's time to suck it up and go get it so you mentioned those crying days so um (laughs) the audience might want to know how we met thank thank god for those crying days Ah, oh here you go now everybody's story is different so i i guess i'll let you tell the story no 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 you're the guest on the show it's not my story the way you tell how we met and the way i feel like we met are two different stories okay so i'll let you tell all right, how all right sure you're so, your version so we mentioned the crying days so during one of those crying days oh. china wonder which was about two blocks from the dental school was her her favorite spot where she went to get lunch pretty much every day let you tell it sure so i didn't frequent that spot but one day i happened to stop in uh, and I, as I'm standing in line, I noticed this beautiful young lady over to the left side of the cash register, clearly in distress. Oh, you know, man. Um, she's crying. She's on the telephone. Oh. And I'm like, man, what's wrong with her? I wonder what's wrong. I was like, man, she, she looks good. But today ain't the day. So order my food. I leave. And I'm like, I'll see her around campus and I'll talk to her later. And later, it took a while for later to come. <laughs> And then one day, Facebook, you know, this is new old school Facebook where you had to be in the same school with a yes. person and where you poke the person to get their attention. Mm-hmm. I got a poke and it was from that young lady in distress in China Wonder. And the rest is history. So I'm going to be honest. I did not see Derek in China Wonder. I wasn't trying to want to cry. <laughs> I do remember that day. And when I post him on Facebook, I'm like, oh, you know, okay, he's in the medical school. So he's on my level because, you know, I don't date off of my level. And I was like, okay, all right, let's, you know, let me welcome him and say, hey. And so he sent me a message saying, are you the girl that was in China Wonder that day crying about, you know, it reminded me how it was my first day on awards because what happened was, it was a day that we gave injections to our classmates. I'll never forget it. It's like summer, sophomore, sophomore, summer. You have to give injections to your classmates before you can give them in class. Well, my classmate was a little extra and she was an attention seeker and she like passed out kind of for like a half a copy. Now, being a dentist, I am now. And I'm like, all right, dude, get up. But then I was distraught, like, oh, my God, I almost got it. No, she was just being an attention seeker. And so I was crying on the phone, talking to my mom as I was picking my food. So I didn't see Derek. But I did poke him on Facebook. And I almost did not respond back to him because I thought he might be a stalker. I'm like, are you a stalker? How do you see me? This was like a year ago. Hmm. A year ago? It wasn't that long. It was. No, no, no. no. It was probably about six weeks, probably. No, it wasn't. It was a a long time ago. It was, yeah, it was like a year later. I don't think so. But anyway, so the story goes, I saw you, but Mm -hmm. you found me. (laughs) Is that accurate? Uh, Something like that? I mean, you put it, I didn't find you. I just happened to see you and said, poke, saying hello. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so you you were looking for me. No, I mean I saw you. Yeah, you know, no, you caught my you, know. you caught my eye right away. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real, All right. okay, whatever. <laughs> so your shirt says Dr. Maisha Burgess, pediatric dentist. 
So you graduate dental school and then tell us about how you become a pediatric dentist. Oh, man. <laughs> I always say, you know, I don't even know if it's good to <laughs> tell the story. You know, I was a National Health Service Corps scholar. And so I did not go to residency. I went straight um, to work as a general dentist. And my first job was working in the jail system. And it, it wasn't as bad as you would think. You know, I was lucky to have a nice mentor there, and but no one wants to work in a jail. And um, after that, I um, was the dental director of a family health clinic. And I realized that my passion is children. I don't like adults. And so, you know, I was looking for something different. I was offered a position in pedo coming out of school and I didn't take it because I, I needed a break. I, you know, I had a lot that happened while I was in dental school and I needed to kind of get away, you know, knowing what I know now, I would take that position. Um, but I didn't. And so two years later, a position became available and I was blessed to be able to get that position. And so it was almost like God just opened a door for me and, and said, this is what I have for you. And, and this is what I want for you. And it seemed like every step, it's always been him opening doors saying, well, this is what I have for you. You want to get in dental school? Okay. I got you. You, you think you don't like general dentistry? Okay. I'm going to take care of you without and, an application, without a formal application. Yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> I was trying to go there, but yeah, I mean, it's true. And so, because my school knew who I was. And so that's why it's important to, when you're somewhere to be the best that you can be. If you're known for being a hard worker. People always watch. People remember and people watching and, you know, they saw me go through adversity and keep trucking and still graduate on time and still get it. And so when people see that in you, they're like, okay, she can do anything because now I got the school believing in me. I have the deans believing in me. I have the professors believing in me. You know, it does make you emotional when you think about the fact that so many people believed in this, Little girl from the block, like my dental school believed in me. You know, my teachers, my professors, they always believed in me. And it's just crazy that, you know, and I would say I will always love Howard because the, uh, the love that I was shown there, the amount of support that I was shown there is just a God thing. Like it's, it's nothing else that you can say, you know, I, I'm, you know, it wasn't like my parents went there. It wasn't like, you know, I was like my other classmates that came from these elite families or, you know, the families that had these pedigrees of being doctors and politicians and all that stuff. You know, I had some royalty in my class, like true <laughs> royalty, but yet they believed in me. And yet they kept giving me opportunities um, when I didn't have to. And that's like, it, it's crazy. But when you have a mindset that I can do any, I, I literally had that mindset that I could do anything. And they just believed that I could. Okay, you, want, you think you want to do pedo? You're interested? I was getting ready to apply for that next year and a spot became available and, and hustled in. God was like, that's your spot. I made that spot available for you. No, next year. No, next year, not an option. This, this is your, this is, this is for you now. I opened that door for you. So let's walk in it. You know, you walk in it with a purpose and you do your thing. You know, I actually, they didn't know it, but I was in the <laughs> beginning stages of being pregnant with my daughter, my first child. When I went, when they, I was at my first trimester and no one knew, but I wasn't a person that would say, well, I'm going to wait until everything is perfect. No, I was like, 
if I can go through all the stuff, you know, you know, I lost my mom in dental school and my grandma. If I can do all that, I didn't, what's having a child in residency? That's nothing. Having a child, that's not going to stop. That's easy. I mean, it wasn't easy. No? <laughs> that's a lot, but. No, 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 no. But yeah. like you said, we had our first child in residency. Um, you were a chief resident I with see. a baby, so with, with a newborn, <laughs> breastfeeding at the hospital. <laughs> You know, so, uh, stressing every night, wait the night we're gonna have enough milk to make it through the day. Yeah, boy, that that was a time. So it's like, even through adversity, you can still be the best. So even through the adversity, I'm the only one that has a newborn at home, but yet I'm the chief because they see something in me that I don't even see. They know that I can handle that responsibility, and that I'm gonna make sure I take care of my co-residents and and take care of myself. And take care of those responsibilities. And, and, and trust me, everybody didn't have, hold my hand. Some people, you know, mm, we don't care. You got a baby. You still got to do X, Y, and Z. So it wasn't like they were like, oh, we're just going to hold a hand. Everything's going to be nice and sweet. It really wasn't like that. Yeah. Um, but, that, you know, it is what it is. So, that, I mean, there's so many. Number one on this show, this is why. <laughs> I always say, if I can do it, if we can do it, anybody Anybody can can do do it. it. And (laughs) that's why on this show, I'm always pulling out these backstories of people who have overcome because many times when they see you now, they see the pediatric dentist, number one, might be scared to approach you. (laughs) Number two, going to assume that it was always easy for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then number three, probably say, I can never do it because I have, you know, bad grades. I didn't pass this test. My mom's not a dentist. My dad's not an orthopedic surgeon. I can't do what you did. So it's possible, but you have to first believe. And then you have to start, like you said, even when you didn't have mentors, you researched and then did it on your own. You know, so there's so many different ways, so many different episodes, so many different things we need to talk about. However, <laughs> I'm going to fast forward to 2020. Oh, All right. Okay. So we skipped a lot. Yeah, we skipped a lot. A whole yeah. lot. We skipped a whole lot. Yeah, because we got to have an episode about <laughs> 2013. Um, 2013 coming out of uh, fellowship. Oh. First job. Yeah. But we're going to skip to 2020. Uh, Stay yeah. tuned. If y'all want to come back, reach out to me because you got to hear more of the story. Oh, but let's let's talk about 2020 because the pandemic started. You know, we have been doing our due diligence, got into the Dave Ramsey program, started trying to get our lives in order from a financial standpoint, saving, not spending, um, but not investing. Right. Correct. So our goal was pay down our debt and then start to just watch our money grow you know, as fast and as high as possible through savings and different things like that. And then the pandemic comes and then there's a mind shift change, so to speak. So for the first time, personally, me being a doctor, I felt insecure in the fact that even though I'm a physician, I could be without a job. You were off for like six weeks. Yeah, I was off for six weeks. Like It was four, six weeks. It was something crazy. I was in house with these kids and I was like, oh, all right. The Burgess Learning Academy. So Burgess Learning Academy in full effect because these kids aren't at school. And as we can see, I grew up, I'm all about school. So I had to create my own little, we call it the Burgess Learning Academy. And um, yeah, that, uh, hopefully we never have to go back there again. Right. And that was not my calling. But um, you were you were at home because you were off work for six weeks, right? I can't, I can't remember. I think it was, it was six or eight. Six weeks. Yeah. It wasn't eight. It was either four to six. I felt like four, but it could have been six. But I'll tell you this. Uh, the pandemic changed a lot for, for us. So, of course, you know, financial literacy is something you have to teach yourself. And I didn't have it. I did have good financial sense that I'm a person I'm not going to go broke because my mom taught me to manage my money properly. But what I didn't learn was how to grow my money, how to invest my money. I just knew not to spend over a certain amount so my bank account wouldn't get too low. You know, make sure I always pay my bills, things like that. I didn't really have a good financial education. And so when the pandemic hit, I'm like, wait a minute. If we don't go to work, 
we don't get paid. So there's no sick time when you're a dentist. Nah, thank you. There, there's no sick time. There's no vacation leave. Not not where I was working. So if I don't go to work, we don't eat. And so it's like, okay, there has to be more than this. And so I think that's when our mind shift changed. And we was like, shoot, we're going to buy up everything that we can. And we're going to have to, to make some changes. I knew that I could no longer be an employee of someone else. Um, that was probably one of the biggest things. I, I always wanted to own my own office. I mean, that was always my dream. And unfortunately, just things happened. And that's a whole nother episode of things that happened that just did not allow me to do that. I don't really have the personality to be a good employee. Um, uh, you know, I'm kind of take charge. So, it's, you know, it's, I don't know if I was the best employee, but, you know, I had to have me there for six years. So I guess I wasn't that bad. No, you're a great employee, but you're an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah, yeah at heart. You, you had know. this dream that you had been stirring on. Festering on, and it just was, it, it just, had to come out at some point. It had to come out, you know, really what it is. And I'm just going to be honest and completely transparent when you're following your orthopedic husband around, it kind of put a hamper on, on my ability to open a practice and to, um, to do all the things that I wanted to, to do as a dentist, as a businesswoman. And 2020 was the year, you know, it had always been in my spirit, but, you know, people try to capitalize off of the pandemic, you know, contracts, new contracts come out. All right. I had the same contract, you know, for five years. Now, all of a sudden new contracts are coming out. Oh, because of the pandemic, we're going to pay you less. Now, mind you, lots of money came flowing in from the government but we're going to pay you less. So people use my employers and they're great. People love them to death, but they use this opportunity to rework the numbers. And they are, you know, it was the opportunity for them to say, Hey, well, you know, because of this and you got to do that and this, that, and the other, we're not going to be able to pay you the same percentage, but yet I'm doing the same amount of work. And, and so that's when I realized I need to be in control of my own destiny. I can't have someone at any moment could come back with another contract and say, hey, I, I, I'm going to pay you this now. Because I feel like I can't. And because I know that it's a pandemic out here and you're not going anywhere. So they thought. But that's when they don't realize, like, I am Maisha from the block. When something never knocks me down or, or when I feel like you back me up in a corner, I always come out fighting. That's just who I am. And so when I felt like my back was up against the wall, okay, it's not. So let's talk about, you know, on a previous episode, I talked about how I didn't like reading. You always an avid reader. But in 2020, I started connecting with people from undergrad and from med school and from orthopedics and we started discussing you know the summer of 2020 with all the uproar and all the um with the deaths and the different the rising social unrest, social unrest. so um, started reading more and started um, becoming more financially literate and we started to shift that mindset that you meant from savers to investors mm -hmm. and we said that okay you're going to establish your practice how do we be as strategic about going about it so talk to talk to us about the challenge that we made each other um, about spending an hour a day, because that's why I have this podcast right now. <laughs> we said that we would spend one hour a day focused on preparing for our future. So you were doing working to start Sparkling Smiles mm -hmm. Pediatric Dentistry. And I was saying you have been telling me I need to write a book. I need to do something I need to do when you're going to write this book. Because Dr. McAllis <laughs> Hogan, my childhood friend, you know, we're both orthopedic surgeons. And she said, you need a book. True. I agree. We need a book. Mm -hmm. So when is your book coming out? And then I got entered into this podcast um, competition and I was a finalist. And you said, OK, let's devote an hour of our day to our future. And my initial thought was, man, I don't have an hour to devote 
to anything other than working and taking care of kids and trying to survive. Talk to us about that challenge. Well, the first thing is get yourself a mate that's going to push you. That, that, that's probably the, that, that's a good takeaway away point. Get yourself a mate that's going to push you to be your best version of yourself. And so we have an hour of a day to, to work on ourselves is if we take that, that opportunity, you know, we get off a of sports center and get off of Facebook and, and just devote time to becoming successful. And so basically, as I said, I kind of went back to my old, old mindset of, okay, my back is against the wall. My family's back is against the wall. How do we make that shift? And like I said before, it's outworking the next person. And so when I get focused on something, I'm going to devote all my time to it, to make it happen. And so really, I was trying to get that mindset changed and dark, like, hey, if you want something different, then you have to devote time for it. And yes, we are busy, but we have to find a way to take an hour to to devote on whatever it is that we want to accomplish. So mine was to open up, you know, my office and Derek was to start on his podcasting. And I knew that this was something that he wanted to do and that he would be great at. And so I thought he just needed a little nudge and a little challenge. We're very competitive people. (laughs) We're very, very um, competitive. And so, you know, sometimes a challenge goes a long way in this house. Yeah. So I think initially I, uh, committed to like 15 minutes and then but you were spending like hours I mean you were coming in from taking care of whatever we had to do and staying up to 12 and one o'clock and you know you were doing all these courses and you know you actually started reading we had this discussion about audio books and oh. <laughs> podcasts you actually started taking courses oh. listening to podcasts but you were putting hours and hours and hours. So I was really trying to keep up. So <laughs> I went from 15 minutes to, you know, an hour. And now, you know, I'm trying to always see, all right, I got to stop working on this stuff because I do have other things I have to do. Mm-hmm. But now the focus and the shift is why this podcast is here, number one, and why the podcast is growing and being successful. Um, so thank you for the challenge. Yeah. And that's why Sparkling Smiles Pediatric Dentist dentistry is now six months old truly because of what we birthed in 2020 2020 was a crazy year for us it was a big year It was a good um mindset shift and Derek went from 15 minutes to now you can't stop i'm like what are you doing audiobooks all day long i'm still kind of iffy on audiobooks but because i don't have time to really sit down and and read a book like i did before um I I am starting to listen to audiobooks now and also, but um, he went from 15 minutes to hours, just like I am. Cause whenever he's doing something, he has his ear pause and he's listening to a book. And then we learned the value of masterminding, I think. Um, and coaching. Coaching and, yeah. and getting with like-minded people. The one thing about 2020 is that it slowed us down. And so we were always going, going, going. Our friends were always going and going, going, but it gave us a time. I, 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 the ability to reconnect with them and to see what they had going on and to talk about ideas and to brainstorm and just connect. And it really was a form of self-care, I feel like, um, because everything's not just business. Some of it's just laughing and joking and talking about the old times and talking about our kids, talking about our husband's army. Mm. <laughs> um, talking about work and you know, I, I I am blessed that I have some very successful friends, um, very you know some friends from dental school that that are overly successful, successful businesswomen, shop, you know, shop city girls like myself, and uh, it was nice to to really reconnect with them and talk about business stuff, other than just doing the dentistry. So that that was. Um, that was really good. That was a nice, nice form of self-care. All right. So it's not the end of the story, but this is your final timeout. All right. So what I want you to do is to speak to the woman, speak to the young professional who knows that there is more out there than what they currently have. 
um, does not necessarily know how to get there because they might be lacking mentors, uh, but speak to them about how they can still achieve everything they want in life. Well, I would first say is one, you don't have to see it to achieve it. If you believe it and you believe that God calls you to do something greater, like if you feel like if you feel in your heart that you have a greater call on your life, then what you need to do is pray for God to show you what that is. But when he shows you what it is, you have to be ready to put the work in because he's going to show you like, okay, I want this for you. But are you ready and willing to put the work in? Every door and every opportunity he gave me came with a lot of hard work. It wasn't like, hey, you have this opportunity and now everything's going to be easy for you. That wasn't how it came. It was like, I'm going to give you this opportunity, but it's up to you to see it through. I'm going to be here with you every step of the way, but it's up to you to make it happen. And so when God reveals to you what it is, whatever that thing that's gnawing at you, I want to do this. There's a lot of ways to get it out here. And so whatever it is that's gnawing at you, get up and do it. Pray about it and do it. And don't say, oh, I'm from the city, so I can't do it. Or, oh, I have kids. I can't do it. And, oh, you know, I came from a bad home and, and, and I, I've never seen it done. Well, if you've never seen it done, that means you're the first person that's supposed to do it. And so you have to believe in yourself. You know, you have to let that whole imposter syndrome, I'm not good enough because I'm not X, Y, and Z, go. And you have to go out here and get it. When he opened these opportunities, you can't expect stuff to fall in your lap. You got to work for it. And it, it, it comes with having grit because it's, it's going to be some highs and it's going to be some lows and you have to be able to, to push through it. Nothing was ever easy, but it was worthwhile. And so if it's something you want, if you feel like you're called to do greater, to be greater, you have to get the mental toughness to go after it. I love that. Um, man, that's great. Well, like I said, it's not over, but we're going to stop here. Um, so thank you for coming on this show. You've been dodging me, but thank you for coming on. Um, this is not over. I appreciate your story. We got more to, to tell. Um, and as we learn, we will continue to share because that's what it's all about. Um, but happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day to all the, the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day to all those out there who are filling in the gaps um, because that's so important as well. Um, and thank you for continuing to follow this podcast. Thank you for continuing to uh, provide feedback. Thank you for the, the positive ratings because it's really helping this show to grow. And um, the best is still yet to come. We, yeah. we, we truly believe that. So, all right. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. If this podcast is adding you value, uh, please leave a five-star rating and review and give me feedback. You can go to my website at drderricasportsdoctor.com. Um, on the website, you're able to give me verbal feedback or testimonials about how this show is impacting you uh, via voicemail or you could also uh, send a message and if you're interested or know someone who might be interested in being a guest on this show they can also figure fill out a form that says register as guest on the website and we will contact you uh, to discuss it further so thank you uh, for everyone who continues to support this podcast. Uh, we are growing only because of your support. And as long as you will continue to support us, we will continue to give you episodes that hopefully will enhance your life. So have a good week and be blessed. Let's go.